Hello, you're very welcome to episode 58, season two of the Two Hands on a Hero podcast. Uh, I'm hosting this episode. Uh, my name is Robbie Mansfield, and I'm here with uh, TJ Mills. How's things, TJ? All good? Yeah, not too bad, Robbie. I'm really grateful for you uh, hosting this week. Uh, I won't go into the reasons why, but I might have to pop out. I don't know, but uh, hopefully, hopefully all will be okay. Um, okay. Think... Uh, cool. So all good with you anyway. Um, we got a nice kind of spell of good weather there, but it's gone, gone chilly again there, or fresh, some might say. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, March many weathers, as the saying goes. Yeah, I um, really enjoyed. I had a wedding last Friday. Um, actually, uh, I want to congratulate Paula and Barry, who um, tied the knot last Friday. Um, it was a terrific wedding, and uh, congratulations. Yeah, no, I can't complain. I had a slight scare last week. Um, got a... Uh, an infection in my leg and if there's anything to say about it is if you get air a little cut at all make sure to look after it properly um because uh i was very close to getting sepsis so um yeah a little warning any cut at all make sure you use dental or something like that to as small as it may be but uh other than that all good and yourself robbie yeah, all grand. Uh, busy enough, you know. You know yourself. Um, and it's going. Or the episode's going to be out on uh, April Fool. So just let everybody know that all the all the facts and figures in this uh, episode are nothing to do with April Fool. So we we you know, we've researched everything thoroughly. So you can believe everything you hear on this uh, podcast. Yeah, I know definitely, and uh, yeah, I make sure to be no slip ups in Edison this time anyway i think we got away so far but i don't want to jinx it <laughs> so far cool so we'll crack on with the the ga there and just the topic i seen the other day there um there's going to be an ash shortage uh so there's not going to be there's going to actually put a lot of uh hurley makers um or hurl makers out of business um because they can't get the supply of wood because apparently a huge chunk of the the ash that we get comes from the Ukraine, and there's also been um, a disease affecting the local ash uh, that's seen its ash die off. Um, so you could be, you know, running short on hurls during the summer. You could, or you could be um, having to mend your hurls. What do you think about this one, Tish? Yeah, I just um, I remember hearing it. The ash disease has gone on for a few years, and I think that's maybe slightly why the you know the plastic hurl kind of made an appearance. I won't lie, I won't be a fan of it, but it uh, needs must. And I saw an article there this evening. Uh, Joe Canning's calling on the government to act on it. Um, I can see the urgency behind it because they are a lot of hurley makers will be affected and they are self-employed uh, business people and all of that. Um, but I'm, I can, I can see the calls for the government to intervene on it, but I think they're really serious, uh, matters going on at the moment. Um, I I think it's like would you, would you know the difference between an, an ash hurl and a different hurl? 
Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, the reason why Ash is used is for the flexibility and the strength. Now I stand corrected on that, but um, it's you see hurls breaking, but not that often, but it also needs the flexibility, kind of the spring in it as well, and that you're able to propel the slitter properly. Um, But it is it is like I was going to say it is like everything we're just going to have to adjust and try and explore other options whether the plastic hurl or the something like that may have to be looked at or maybe look at other forms of timber as well but um, with the ash disease that's happening it doesn't seem to be waning away Um and then, of course, the more pressing matters that are going on in Ukraine at the moment as well. Maybe it's a a matter of exploring other options. Um, I, I don't know what baseball bats are made out of, but I don't think it'd be maybe an option kind of go that way. Maybe look at the Dino Shinti, see what kind of wood is used in shinty stick or something like that. But I think it isn't going to be a thing that's going to go away quickly. So it's a matter of other options, but um, I really can't see the government intervening in it. Yeah. I suppose uh, Clash the Ash just sounds uh, that bit better though, I suppose as well. Um, just so back to, you know, the, the league kind of roundup there. So, uh, Waterford and Cork into the, the league final now. Waterford looking very good. Uh, Cork beating All-Ireland finalists uh, in the league final. Do you, do you think this could be um, a very important game coming into the championship or will the, the teams be happy enough that they made it to the final or do you think they'll be going out to, to win this game? It's hard to know, Robbie, because um, they are a chance that they could possibly meet again in the Munster Championship. So it could be a dress rehearsal. Um, do all the like teams what, play each other though? Isn't it? Uh, I'm not 100%. I think so, yeah. Sorry, um, yeah, the group format, yeah. So, yeah, they will obviously clash. Um, going on form at the moment, uh, Watford and Cork are right up there. I mean, Wexford were the form team of the league and you saw the way Watford dismantled them last week. Um, that won't define Wexford's season, but it is a huge boost to Watford after suffering. Um, you could say a disappointing defeat to Kilkenny and Nolan Park. And they were taught, a, I won't say a harsh lesson that day, but they were taught a bit of a lesson. They were brought back. Um, down Turton. I mean, absolutely no disrespect because I have the height of respect for uh, the Watford hurlers, always did, and also no matter the rivalry, um, but also Liam Cal as well. Liam Cal's, uh, I worked with him professionally for a couple of years, and uh, he's a gentleman and he brings that into the Watford setup as well. Um, the one down point for Watford going into the league final was the sending off of Austin Gleeson. Um, it was a it was a definite red card. It was a harmless sort of one. The game was well over and won. There were absolutely no need, but um, the referee had no option either because um, 
that would be the real down point for Watford going into it. Um, Cork showed great resilience against Kilkenny last week, um, leaving bias aside out of it. They were kind of kept in the game in the first half with the main to freeze. There were, I think, 12 freeze to two at one stage in the first half of that game. And um, trying to look at it impartially, which is very hard when you're a Kilkenny man, some of the frees were dubious. Um, and um, But still, Cork got over the line. They had the players to come in. When you have the luxury of taking off Patrick Horgan, uh, like uh, Cork did, like Kieran Kingston did, it shows the strength and depth that Cork have there as well. And it's going to be a cracker of a game. And like you asked, Robbie, once you get to a final, you want to win it no matter what's coming down the line. No one will remember who wins the league comes uh, come July in dollar and final, but still silverware is on offer and both teams will be going out to to claim it. Um, it's a hell of a lot easier for players and management to go to training the following week after a win and prepare for uh, an important game coming up than trying to regroup. Um, and that's why if I was to pick a team, I, I'd nearly go for a draw in the game to be won in extra time and possibly possibly Cork after extra time. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty close game, I'd say. Um, and then turning to a bit towards football now, we have uh, Dublin obviously got relegated. Um, me, myself, personally, I don't think it's going to affect them this year. Uh, but next year, even though it's a strong Division 2 next year, I think it's always better, uh, you're better prepared for the championship if you're playing Division One football uh, rather yeah. than in Division Two. But yeah. Um, yeah, obviously would prefer for them to stay up, but uh, I don't think it's the end of the world and I would still expect them to come through Leinster if they had um, a full squad to pick from and they got all the, the injured guys back and stuff. Um, and then I think it's, uh, it's Kerry and Mayo in the football final. So that should be... Uh, that could be a dress rehearsal for a potential all Ireland final, do you think? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, they're the two farm teams at league. Um, I know Kerry suffered a defeat to Tyrone last week, but still it was only blipping the radar. Um, Mayo, James Horn there, he's after rebuilding a fair squad. Um it's hard to call like, I mean, no matter who wins this similar to the Cork Watford game, yeah, they're silverware on offer, but Mayo defeated Kerry a few years ago in the league and still lost all in final. Um, and it, it, that's the danger. Um, if I was, say if I was a supporter of either team, I'd be slightly... If it was Kerry, I wouldn't mind losing the league final because you know they're going to be there the business end of the championship. And their biggest rivals over the past number of years were Dublin. And I wouldn't be writing Dublin's death warrant early, but still being relegated, like you're saying, it's not ideal preparation going into the championship. Um, 
and I, I don't mean saying this to rub it in far from it, Robbie. I be I, I could say the same thing about the decline of leash football. Uh, the two teams that featured in the Burn Cup final got relegated. They're no Leinster team in Division One next year. Um, Kildare very unlucky at times. Still got relegated back down to Division Two as well. But um, slight concerning thing for Dublin heading into the championship. You can't really see him being overly worried about Leinster. I know Kildare defeated them for the first time since the 90s in the league, but still a Leinster final or whatever you would expect. Um, a packed Croke Park as well. You would expect Dublin to claim for provincial honours. Um, but it's towards the end of the year where they may be slight question marks. Um, but I think the most concerning thing is the way the don't seem to have a proper kick-out strategy at the moment. The defence looks slightly porous as well. Um, and the continuation of playing around with the ball, um, where I, I remember mentioning it last year against Kerry in Semple Stadium, Dublin had the game won and still Kerry came back to draw and still pressing ahead this year when results aren't going your way. I, I have no doubt that Desi Farrell and the management team will be focusing on that. But if you saw signs towards the end of the league, that there were some change coming about. Um, but in saying that, you don't become a bad team overnight. And um, yeah, they'll have uh, Evan Comfort back as well. He's the, he's the main keeper now since um, Cluxon has retired. So they were down to, I think, what you would call. You know, if you were to put Cluxon in there, like their third choice keeper uh, or second yeah. choice for this season, anyway. Yeah, and like I think that was definitely a criticism that the kickouts weren't good against uh, Monaghan and stuff. Um, but you'd have to hand it to Monaghan as well. They put in a really good shift, and they did it without uh, Kieran McManus as well, which is even more notable. Um, but fair play to them because I think you know after Dublin winning two games, a lot of people would have expected them uh, Dublin to go through Monaghan and end up relegating Monaghan but uh, yeah fair play to them for for hanging into Division 1 there it's uh, massive respect for that Oh definitely and the one caveat about it Robbie is it it's like I know the advertisement around it is it isn't only the league but it is honestly only the league when you have such a condensed inter-county season you're going to get results like that. You had Kilkenny had a terrific victory against Watford in Nolan Park, but still there were some slight frailties against Cork last week. Uh, you had Wexford high flying, suffered a 19 point defeat to Watford. Um, so I'm not moving away from the football, but I mean, you get results like that in the league, and especially like I was saying in a condensed. Uh, inter-county season you don't know what sort of training teams are doing as well in preparation for the championship which will be beginning in what two three weeks time so that would be one caveat there that's a really valid point you mentioned about the uh, I can't think of the lad's name uh, the Dublin um, keeper that played last week but Evan Comfort coming back Shields, Shields. Uh, Shields sorry yeah 
the most one of the most important players on the field is the goalkeeper and i mean especially when you have a young player coming in he needs to find and i'm this no criticism of shields at all far from it he's a young man trying to learn his trade and he will learn from it um but for the defense as well i mentioned the defensive frailties when you're setting up a team the most important players the goalkeeper because they're the they set the pace of the game, the pace of the kickouts, pace of the puck outs, but also you need the defense with the kind of the, a relationship built up as well. No matter how many challenge games are games you play, you need a relationship and a bond to build up that if a defender makes a mistake, he knows that the goalkeeper and also the goalkeeper needs to know he's going to have the cover in front of him as well. And I was with a couple of teams and that's the, that's the basis. You had to make hard choices at times in number one or number three or whatever, but that's, that's the, that's a really valid point there as well. And Evan Comfort having the experience since Cluxton stepped away, that, that would be priceless for Dublin. Yeah. Um just to one more kind of GA point was uh the Cork versus Kerry game is uh gonna be moved from Porky Creeve um because of Ed Sheeran. I think we had talked about this before that it was gonna it might be it was gonna happen, but it's definitely happening now. And um I think Cork are digging in, they've appealed to the Monster Council. So do you think that it's a situation like a, a new Newbridge or nowhere type situation where Cork just say we're playing it here or not at all sort of thing. And um, do you reckon that's what they should do? Or yeah, really I know. Yeah. Sort of you took the words out of me, mate. I think um, forget the rivalry was there with Cork or whatever. It's always banter and it's all, and I'd never like to see a team being hard done by. And we were mentioning about Dan from footballers a few weeks ago. This is the same situation with Cork. Um, I think the biggest issue here, Robbie, is as big a, a money spinner and a money earner that concerts are in county grounds the county teams have to take precedence. I don't care what happens. And um, if they weren't any consultation between uh, the GEA and the organisers to say here, there's going to be important fixtures around this time. And I mean, it isn't like this came all of a surprise either. Parky Ring isn't available because... Um, they they were doing redevelopment work and the redevelopment work won't be done in time. Um, I think Cork have to dig their heels in here and say here, um, we're not giving up home advantage. I mean, you're coming up against one of the farm teams. You're you're operating in Division Two. Um, you need to take every advantage you can. Um, Cork caught Kerry a couple of year ago. Kerry learned a lot from that and they haven't been caught since against the Rebels. So, yeah, they have to dig in their heels and say here, um, Cork or nowhere. Or even some sort of consensus, even a neutral ground or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Um, I'd like to see the game played. 
in uh, Porky Cueff. Um Yeah, obviously just to maybe make the game a bit tougher for Kerry, I suppose. And, um, you know, it's the right thing to do. And, you know, like GA didn't make a big fuss over, like let, not letting soccer in a few years ago and all this sort of stuff. And that was probably wasn't right, but they're make they're like, you know, seem to be changing the rules willy nilly, you know, to let Ed Sheeran play and nothing against Ed Sheeran or whatever. But um yeah, it just seems like a bit of a uh, bit of a disaster really. And uh hopefully hopefully um people come to their senses. Um and that's a nice segue into the next topic, which is someone who uh you could say lost their senses or lost uh, lost their cool anyway. Uh the slap that was heard around the world. Um and probably, you know, in terms of everything that's been going on over the last few years with uh, COVID and now the situation in Ukraine, it was um, definitely on my social media anyway, it, it took over, uh, was uh, Will Smith uh, slapping uh, Chris Rock at the Oscars. And then there was a bit of verbals afterwards as well, all over a joke about uh, Will Smith's wife, um, Jada, and she has alopecia and obviously it didn't go down well. Um, so I suppose there's a few different angles you could take at the question here. Um, do you think that, you know, is it a, a sense that maybe a comedian is just telling a joke and that they shouldn't be assaulted? Or or should it be a situation that, you know, if you say something, you know, you are liable to face the consequences for your actions and sometimes they're, they're swift and immediate. Uh, what do you think on that point? It's... It's a tough one, Robbie. Um, I will not condone what Will Smith said one bit, uh, or what he done one bit. Uh, what Chris Rock said, maybe it was in poor taste, but like I read an article during the week, you're in the public eye, you're going to have to be able to take... Um, like, if Ricky Gervais was hold, hosting it... Um, what was said could it possibly I mean you, you heard of some of the things that were said in the Oscars at it and there's there's a fine line there of are they a danger to stand up now I, I read another article during the week following following it um, is every stand up comedian now going to be facing the same rat as what Chris Rock did Um if someone it's the basis of stand-up you go to a gig i was the i won't say the victim but i was the target at a comedy gig one time and i took it in good spirit Um now the the topic like i was saying that um about alopecia i mean it is a it is a disease and it's a very unfortunate one and maybe the the choice of joke was in poor taste but that doesn't mean that you need to be assaulted um i just read another article there today uh wanda sykes who was one of the co-hosts at oscars um was saying that in other words if you're hosting um, a show like that, you're kind of hosting the audience in a sense. It's like it's your own house. So you're, you're facilitating it. Um, and for Will Smith to be left, stay there and be able to accept his Oscar 
And to be fair to Chris Rock, he didn't press charges either for what was assault. I mean, if you had someone down down the the city where that took place and they done that someone on the street, would they not be arrested for doing it? Yeah, also um, it highlights maybe celebrity privilege. Um, exactly to a degree that. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, Robbie. Yeah, I know. No, I no, no. wasn't, but <laughs> won, I was won. agreeing completely. Oh no, no, continue. I, I was agreeing completely with what you said. No, I was just kind of like saying that, but uh, yeah, like it's, you know, it does highlight, you know, as you're saying, like if we did that or if, you know, if someone did that, you know, more than likely there would be instant consequences. And then, you know, Will Smith, he, he you know, no one really does anything, but I suppose like, you know, Will Smith walking up to the stage, it's not going to prompt the security guys to intervene. Do you know the way? Um, no. So, yeah, and like no one wants to be the security guy to tap Will Smith on the shoulder and say, you know, it's, it's time to go, pal. Um, do you know the way? So, do you know, there's, there's kind of a little part of me that's thinking maybe it was a little bit, some aspect of it was kind of staged, I think a little bit because the Oscars has been really dying on its feet for ratings the last, you know, few years and stuff. I think last year was like the lowest ever. And, you know, it definitely got a boost in the ratings, you know, so you can't say that it didn't have an effect on that, you know, but, um, and even the way Chris Rocky had his hands behind his back and he just really, he really took it. Um, yeah. So just a little part of me thinking that maybe there was kind of possibly uh, a ratings kind of boost thing. I know uh, yeah. Chris Rock is he's sold out all his uh, concerts and stuff now. Uh, his his tour is a sellout now, so everyone wants to go and see his reaction. So he is getting a payoff from it as well, like in a, in a way, like you know the way. Um, yeah. I, so, do you kind of think that or no? Um, I can't. Like, I, I, what you said was in my head as well. I read that Chris Rock was after selling out his shows. <laughs> But the reaction of what Will Smith done as well, like, could it be detrimental to his career? Like, would, if you were a film director, would you be kind of a bit wary if it was a publicity stunt, it was done in bad taste? Now, I know an awful lot I read. I don't watch the Oscars. I just wouldn't have an interest, but I just read the articles around it. I woke up early to go for a walk the other morning and I saw Will Smith slapped Chris Rock and I thought here this was some sort of skit and then I came home and I read about it and I said shit this was kind of serious like because um, the memories of Will Smith would be kind of men in black uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air kind of was uh, uh, especially Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air he was kind of a a lovable rogue in a sense um like for chris rock yeah i mean it's brilliant and there's a saying there's no bad publicity but when the organizers of doskers are on about sanctions and all of that um like if you walked up someone in a nightclub and slapped them like that you'd be fucked out 
It's as simple as that. You be and if you're if it was bad enough, you you cooked it on your head. <laughs> exactly, and you could end up in the cell or whatever. You could have someone soon and all of that. Um, I think I I don't know. It's a complicated one. I I I slightly disagree with you on it. I, I the the way that they done it. Now, I know the videos I saw were uncensored of it, uh, but I heard Oscars kind of completely muted it because the way those shows operated be a bit like radio during the pandemic <laughs> or if you're doing a radio show from at home, it's kind of delayed airing in a sense. Um, not to spoil anyone when they're listening to radio, and I don't think I'll be giving away any secrets, but they could be a 20 second delay from when a radio host speaks to when it goes out on air. And that gives enough of time if something goes wrong. Now, that's not in live radio, live, live radio in the studio. That's in kind of a remote setting. And I know the Oscars kind of do that slightly as well that there's a slight delay that if something goes wrong or someone kind of gay crashes the stage and all of that, there can be a slight delay. So that's where I gave them the opportunity to mute what went out live on air. Um, Now the broadcasters would like, would have access to nearly all the, the screens of it, but they can only put out what, now, it's sound corrected on that, but that would be my understanding. Um, so if it was a publicity stunt uh, by the organisers at Oscars and all of that, I think the reaction as well of Chris Rock that he was kind of surprised as well. Um, but Will Smith, the funny thing about it was Will Smith seemed to have gotten the joke and then he looked over at his wife and then the mood changed. Um, but i not condoning what Chris Rock said. I think it's in poor taste. I won't lie. But everyone would react differently. But when you're in the public eye, I'm not saying you have to be thick-skinned and no one should be forced to be thick-skinned. But, I mean you'd react better than that i mean you're you're kind of a role model for people and to do that well it could ruin your career like yeah i I don't think it's going to ruin his career myself um you know um like you think he's just too big of a name and you know chris rock is impressing charges and, and stuff like that and you know he is the kind of character that like he might um almost get a lot out of this situation in terms of the like the reforming himself do you know what i mean if you know the way like yeah. he has had this story in the past of how he kind of came from nothing and he was hustling at the studio to get them to make the fresh prince of bel-air and you know he was a real underdog and you know if you does actually have some good motivational stuff on on youtube as well some kind of uh, speeches and stuff like that and do you know, it could be something that he actually, he could be the type of person to use, you know, 
if this is a real situation, he could be the type of person to use the situation to grow and be better. Um, but yeah, there is the whole thing. A lot of people are saying that his wife is, you know, influencing him and pulling the strings and has him in a bad situation and stuff like that, um, which is is possible. And, you know, so, yeah, I don't know. If he's in yeah. a bad relationship, obviously you should get him. If, he's, if, he's, if it's, that's what's causing him to act out like this, there could be, and this is like in front of, you know, millions of people uh, all around the world that this is happening. So imagine what's happening, you know, when the cameras aren't on, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, there's articles about the infidelity within the, the marriage and all of that and the open relationship that's meant to be happening there as well. Um, in regard to the point you made there, yeah, I can't disagree, but I would slightly, in a sense, what like if Will Smith gets away with this, in a sense, forget about charges and all of that, they are slight double standards in a sense, because you have a role model that assaulted someone on live TV in front of millions and millions and millions of people around the world. And when we're on about trying to change um, the violence that's going on, especially towards women and all of that. And I mean, that's another topic. And I mean, there's been too many incidents and everything like that, but still you can't have someone in a sense get, and now here I, I, I would have been a big fan of Will Smith. I won't lie. I would have liked his singing. I would have liked his acting. So, I mean, this isn't coming from a place that I, I didn't like Will Smith. It was the complete opposite. I really rated him as an actor. And like I was saying, some of the songs he had out were terrific as well. But, I mean, you can't condone that either. And if he... I I don't know. It's a tough one because you don't want to see anyone's career ruined. But, um, like, we're chatting about the two Johnnies. Um a few weeks ago being possibly sanctioned by RTE for um, inappropriate comments made on the video and you can't condone them but we're saying uh, well I was saying anyway that their career shouldn't be ruined by one incident but still they could possibly have facing sanctions for I mean you had Will Smith on a much much larger scale uh, assaulting someone and um, for his career not to be affected in some way about it uh, I don't know like the war talks about his upbringing and all of that could have leading to the kind of the change but um, no I, I, I just don't know Robbie I don't know I, I think setting a dangerous precedent yeah, I suppose like if he does something again, maybe <laughs> that's you know that next person has maybe been hit and, and it, something should have been done now, you know. But um, imagine with celebrity culture, he'll probably do some sort of anger management type thing, or you know the way he'll he'll, he'll do something. I, I imagine to to try and smooth over his uh, public persona at least. That's like, um, yeah, I know. I cool. mean, so, yeah, yeah I... we'll take on to the. 
I oh, know I was just sorry. I was just going to say you had the Mel Gibson thing that kind of that kind of brushed over where he just completely lost the head and all of that, and his career didn't suffer. So yeah, I know I can't disagree with what you said either. Yeah, I think maybe Mel Gibson has maybe not suffered. I don't think suffered is the right word because probably maybe deserved a bit of backlash, but um. Yeah, I don't think he's he's been he's like he has been a butt of a lot of jokes and and stuff like that as well. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, cool. So what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll crack on to the, the next topic. So the next one is uh, possibly a sensitive topic for some people. Um, so you know, basically, it's about um, trans people in sport, and you know what's maybe. A good solution that's um that's fair to all the participants um and i was going to listen to a little bit of the debate back and forward about stuff and then i was thinking maybe is the best option that it's just all sport is just open to everyone and there's no like you know male female or whatever divisions that it's just like we have people just openly competing against each other um because then you know you don't have you don't have the same issues that you have maybe in sport now. Whereas, say, in, like in my view, if say someone who was born a man and went through male puberty, and you know they they have all the benefits uh, like bone density, muscle mass, and all this sort of stuff um, from going through all this the process of being a man, and then they transition over to female sport, they have a bit of a a huge disadvantage there, in my opinion. Um, I know people could debate the science back and forward and that, but they're, they're like the lower limit is they have to have no more than two times the level of testosterone than their female counterparts. Um, so, you know, is maybe a solution where we just have an open field, do you think? Or I know it's a, I know it's a big question, but uh, what do you think, Teach? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really sensitive one, Robbie, because um, like, the one person I would take most guidance out of this, and I heard comments were made to be Sonia O'Sullivan. And I mean, you couldn't get anyone more professional and um, achieved as much in sport as Sonia O'Sullivan. And she stated that they are a complete disadvantage for a female athlete that would come up against um a transgender athlete um i in some sports it would be possible and definitely i mean it's you can see it happening in the dart in darts yeah it would be maybe slightly possible in golf um not so much they're like I don't know. I, I, I'm not trying to sit on the fence here, but it's um someone that's transgender that was born a male and now identifies as a woman and um may have been born in the wrong body um should not be at a disadvantage either. Um now you can't have segregation either you have to have integration because there's enough of that after happening and i can't imagine what 
um, transgender people may have faced and in transition in either. Um, and there's a stigma that's trying to be done away with. And this is only maybe adding or highlighting it again. Um, but still, they are some physical ca- characteristics that gives an advantage. And that's the unfortunate thing. Um, and like in the likes of athletics or physical sports, um, that that. Uh, physical advantage cannot maybe be overlooked as well. Um, It's a real difficult one for the sporting bodies because they're going to have to ensure they're they're inclusive, um, but also try and show balance and fairness as well. Um, So... I don't know, Robbie. I genuinely don't know. Um, I couldn't really give my personal view on it because I don't understand um, whether they really... You can only go by science in a sense that the muscle and bone density of of a male or some male or some that was born as a male will be greater than someone was born as a woman, no matter what, even if you were, like I was saying, born in the wrong body. And, um, but still someone that was born as a man that identified and, um, transitioned because they they were born in the wrong body it's I don't know it's a tough one and it's one that's going to be have to be have to be dealt with be the the sporting bodies Um, and there's no real easy solution to it I really don't think Um, like they are some sports that it just will not be possible for integration. I mean, the likes of rugby would be one unless you take the physical aspect out of it. Now I'm not saying that um, women would not be able to compete. Some may be stronger, some could be more skillful, but still they are some, um players that just would be too physically strong and it'd be the same both ways. Um but I don't know. I, I don't know Robbie. It's it's a real tough one. Um the one thing I don't want to see is more stigmatism or um sports becoming less inclusive but there's going to have to be some sort of compromise uh, being made to facilitate and I think that has to be fair to everyone yeah I think like sport has to be inclusive I just think that 
maybe is there not a level playing field uh, in some respects? Um, because I think overall there would be like a higher, like a, a trans trans woman, as it were, who goes into a, an event would have the, not all the time, but would have the tendency to dom- dominate, especially where the, you know, the, the physical components are power and strength and, you know, explosiveness and stuff like that. They would, they would dominate yeah. in yeah. general in those sports. Um, so like you can imagine like for athletes, maybe, who you know, trained their whole life and then, you know, they've maybe finished third or fourth or whatever, or they maybe lose out on the medal and, you know, the person who's sitting ahead of them on the, on the podium has a clear, um, you know, genetic advantage um yeah and even if you were to take it like in terms of like doping like if you were to like um if you were a male uh competitor and you were had double the testosterone of your nearest competitor you'd be at a huge advantage as well like you know so like yeah like in terms of um steroids and all that that's illegal in sport um so like so yeah i think and um, maybe possibly is it um is it possibly hindering the growth of uh like female sports where female sports are definitely they're not where they should be but they're definitely coming up and is this whole debate maybe taking a bit away from it as well I'm not sure um so I, I definitely think there is a path forward with this um but I definitely think that like the the kind of the, the rules for competing need to be stricter because I think double the testosterone is just unfair, you know, in a way. And that only oh, has to be for a year. And as well, it should be like the same set of standards possibly across the board, you know, where there has to be, you know, it's consistent in all sports where it's not just like say in one sport it's this and the other sport it's that. And the bit of consistency would be be good as well. Um because at the end of the day like like participating in in sport is fun and that's brilliant. I think everyone should be able to participate in sport. But when it comes to, you know, maybe college places or getting, you know, spots on Olympic teams or getting professional contracts and stuff like that, I think there needs to be a certain amount of uh, kind of fairness, if that that would be the the quite correct word, to everyone has a, a level playing field, if you know what I mean, that there, everyone has the ability to... To, to do what they want if, if you know what I mean and it's not like someone's going to come in and just dominate the sport um, I think you know what I'm saying but I think I'm kind of butchering maybe getting it out there oh no 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 it's a very valid points Robbie and yeah no I, I would agree when it's put like that I mean they are they are I won't say stand. They are fairness and standards that have to be kept as sensitive as the matter is. And um, yeah, I know it's it's going to be it's going to be something that's going to have to be looked at strongly. And that's why I'd be taking the basis from what Sonia O'Sullivan said that someone was there, been there, done that, wore the t-shirt in a sense. Um, like you can't have someone's after dedicating their life and miss out. Um, but it's it's a real tricky one. 
it's a real tricky one and um i can see in some sports how it could be how it could be managed um being honest um because if you say take for example one thing that popped into my head is you go to any golf course and you have um you have the tea box you have the male tea offline and you have the female tea offline a bit further up and that's just because of the physical characteristics of some men will be stronger and um that's that's where but yet you see in darts where that playing field can be leveled uh, a bit and the best example would be the great success of Fallon Sherrock um, so it will be something that it, they are leniency in a sense within some sports but others kind of uh, physical performance sports that this is going to have to be looked at uh, strongly to try and level the playing field yeah I'm sure it's a debate that's going to uh, keep raging maybe and uh, you know hopefully like a, a resolution can maybe be be reached where where everyone is in a happy place in, in terms of com, com, uh, competing if you know what I mean uh, cool so yeah we're going to tip on we're going to go on to the, the soccer so uh, Irish soccer team got a draw against the number one team in the world. Fair enough, they didn't really have their, their, their full team out. And then uh, got a last-minute winner against Lithuania. And I think they're unbeaten in the eight or nine games. So, you know, there was a definite time there where it didn't look like Stephen Kenny was going to last very long. But um, he seems to have turned around a good bit. Um, are you hopeful for the future of the Irish soccer team now, Deej? Oh, definitely. I mean, I know it was the last minute winner the other night against Lithuania. Um, like you were saying, there's a lot of changes were made as well from the game against Belgium. Um, I was listening to comments after that game on radio. I, I watched the game and then I went to bed early because I was up early, uh, but I was listening to the radio and there are comments made saying maybe we don't have the luxury at the moment to make that vast number of changes. But the one pleasing aspect that you would take from that game against Lithuania is the way we dominated possession, uh, the chances we created. And we also had three goals ruled out for offside as well, uh, two for Obene and I can't think of other. Uh, Connor Hurahan. Um, and I mean, if the offside flag didn't go up or the player was that little bit uh, quicker to avoid offside trap, or maybe not as quick uh, to avoid offside trap as well, we could be talking about maybe a 4 5 nil victory. Um, the way... I'd be really pleased and I was willing to give Stephen Kenny a chance um, and I'm glad now that he was given the time because he's trying to develop a style of play and then the the number of young players that were 
have been introduced as well. It, the scary thing about it is Triparis is still only 20. And um, to come on and show the leadership he did and scored a terrific goal he did shows that things are bright uh, for the future ahead. You have two young players fighting for no, more than two players, but it seems to be uh, Bazinu and Kelleher fighting for the number one shirt. Um, to have that competition there is terrific. Um, and then the other players around the field as well. I mean, they're uh, Knight, uh, another player that emerged from Stephen Kenny's under-21 side. Um, Paris Obene. I mean, these are real bright prospects for the future. You see a resurgence from Callum, Callum Robinson as well. Um, everything's bright, Robbie. It's going to take time. I mean, from a situation where the FAI was in complete doldrums uh, a couple of years ago. Um, really poor performances on the field to a situation where you have a sellout in the Viva for the Belgium game. Now, I know it wasn't a sellout against Lithuania, but it's no disrespect to Lithuania, but it wouldn't be as high profile a game as the world number one's Belgium. Um, but still, things are going and it's going to be slow, steady progress. But when you have a manager that actually believes in his players, um, like during the Trapatoni era, we're on about the limitations. Martin O'Neill, when he was there as well, was on about the limitations of the squad. Mick McCarthy, just they weren't any, but they were talk not from Mick McCarthy now, but they were talk around the time the limitation of the players to have a manager, a homegrown manager, uh, coming in and believing in the system and coming back from the setbacks of say losing Damien Duff and I can't think it uh, Barry is it sorry um, that left for Belgium as well to come back as strong and put in a performance a kind of a never say defeat attitude against Belgium and then get a last minute winner and as you mentioned as well, eight games undefeated as well. So on, onwards and upwards from here, Robbie. And I think Irish soccer is in a good place at the moment. And the good thing as well, the ladies soccer team is highly competitive as well with a world-class manager with Vera Pau as well. So, I mean, things are really looking bright across uh, both codes. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we uh, keep going and maybe make it to uh, you know the next uh, the next few championships with this with it with this team, young team. So uh, it's very exciting and uh, give us all a nice trip away there uh, with COVID. Uh, well, I suppose maybe COVID is maybe up and down, but uh, hopefully it's if Ireland reach a tournament, it's on the way down anyway at some at some time in the future. Um, yeah, and a difficult uh, fixture list coming up for your Liverpool. They've um, Champions League playing City, playing derbies against I think United and uh, Everton. Uh, cup games galore, going for the quadruple. So this is a, a massive month for Liverpool Football Club. Teach. 
Yeah, no, it's a it's a real important month. I think the real deciding game, and uh, no disrespect to the others, to be the city game. Um, from coming from what nearly eleven points down at one stage to being within a whisker, and if we defeat City, we'd be in a great position. Um, Manchester United game, I wouldn't judge on the first game of the season where we won, or the first game against Manchester United where we won 4-0, um, because United have a lot more pride than that. Um, now, I know results hasn't been gone, but still they're, they're kind of the... In a sense, it's like a local derby there. Um, Everton game, I just don't know where Everton are going. But still, it's a city rivalry there as well. New manager fighting to avoid relegation as well. Um, no easy games, but we, ha- we have the players there to do it. Um, and I think the City game will be the real uh, definitive one. Um, I think the talk of quadruple and all of that, the kind of siding on the with Klopp there, just take one game, every game as it comes now as a cup final, and just see what what you can do. Um, if I wanted to win one piece, another piece of silverware this year, it would be the Premier League. And um, that I'd love the champion. I'd love the quadruple. I won't lie, but um, be the premier. Well, it would shut United because... fans up, no? Sorry, it would shut United fans up with the uh, the treble and no? all. So they they always show that in your in your face, no? Yeah, but like the thing about it is, Robbie, how many teams done it? Um and that's that's where I'd be siding with Jurgen Klopp. I mean, it, it's that Manchester United team at the time were just phenomenal. I mean, they really were. Um, now I'm not saying that this. It, I'm a Liverpool fan, and I'm not trying to play it down or anything. But it's just it's such a hard feat uh, to do. Um, now. I pray to God we will do it and it'd be absolutely terrific. But when you look at the the teams that you're facing, um, I mean, to win the Premier League, you have to beat City, who are world-class. To win the Champions League, you're coming up top sides around Europe. I mean, and it isn't an easy feat. To keep that momentum going every time, to be fair, and it kills me to say it, it just shows how good that Manchester United squad was at that time to do the treble. And they had some phenomenal players, Michael, Roy Keane, Terry Sheringham, Solskjaer, David Beckham, I mean, Paul Scholes. They, they, they were phenomenal players. And leaving rivalry aside, you have to respect class and they were class. Now, that's not saying that this Liverpool squad at the moment is full of class. And Mane, um, Salah, Firmino, you have Diaz now. I mean, it's just brilliant. Alisson, one of the top goalkeepers around. Uh, 
Henderson, Gray Captain, Alexander Arnold. I, I could name them all and I'm not going to, but they are a really great team. But who has done it since United? And that's that's the thing. Every it's a bit like Twinkle Kenny won the four in a row in the hurling. The last team to come close to that was Cork in the forties, and there was kind of dispute around that at the time. Um, so it just shows that these kind of history making events don't happen all the time. And that's when they do, you have to show respect and say here, yeah, they they were world class. Now, if we do it, brilliant, terrific, but um, I won't say it's impossible, but it's a very, very hard feat to do. And if we're able to claim another two pieces of silverware, terrific. If we claim one more, whether it's the Champions League, but are the Premier League, are the... FA Cup, I I'd be delighted with. I won't lie, but just take every game and competition as it comes. Being honest, yeah. And uh, I know you mentioned earlier on um, before we started recording about there's uh, they're going to keep the five uh, substitutes in in soccer. Do you reckon that's a good thing? Um, because you know, you're pretty much replacing half the team, really, aren't you? Well, you are, like, if you're the old, half the outfield players, anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, I read an article um, when I saw it from Abam Lahore, and I hope I said his name right. I have it in my head, but sometimes my head doesn't translate. Like Abam Lahore, right. is it? Yeah, yeah, and he was saying that that will uh, really favour Liverpool. <laughs> Not playing it down again, I think if it's to favour any team, it would slightly favour City when you look at the strong bench that City have and the cash that's at their disposal as well that you can. Now, that's not playing down. I mean, when you have the competition for places that Liverpool have as well, I mean, it'd be City and then Liverpool. I mean, on form, that's 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 what it is. Um I think Liverpool are very clever with the signings they make. They don't break the bank, but they just bring in players that seem to be just hardworking. It's as simple as that. And to have a challenge there between... I I mentioned the Liverpool team and I forgot Diego Jota. And it just shows the, the, the class that's available at Liverpool at the moment. But yet you look at City and it's the exact same thing. That's where I think out of all the trophies that are left on offer for Liverpool, I think the Premier League would be the the real big one. Now, that's not taken away from the Champions League or the FA Cup either, but Premier League to say here, you're, you're after getting one over on City and you're after being kind of fairly clever in the transfer market as well. Um, that'd be a real good one but like I was saying I want to win everyone but I take that but yeah the five subs um, it will favour the real strong teams but you would have a concern for the weaker sides um, if you had a real tight game say at the moment between Liverpool and um, who's saying they said Watford 
uh, our team like that. No disrespect, but when you have the the class being able to call on the likes of Diego Jota or say Grealish or whoever, or someone like that for City, I mean, it's it's going to completely demoralize um, the opposition. And you look at. Um, Liverpool's game, I forget who they were playing. Jesus, a couple of weeks ago. Um it wasn't Norwich, was it? Um oh Beck, I can't think. But we're able to bring on Jordan Henderson, we're able to bring on Salah, we're able to bring on I mean that to have a strong team to have players at the disposal like that when you're playing maybe a weaker side I think it does no favours for the weaker sides being honest Yeah you could be right there especially you know squad game and you know if if a big team are missing players maybe having the extra guys to bring on could be a difference that maybe if they didn't have that option you know, a, a smaller team might have the better chance over the over the course of the season, I suppose, maybe. Um yeah, so yeah, it's kind of not a huge fan of the international break. So I think this is the last one now until the end of the season. So this is really the as uh, Alex Ferguson calls it a uh, spooky bum time. So um looking forward to it. And as well the Champions League, I really kind of start watching the Champions League around the quarterfinal phase because I just think, you know, you know the the group stage and you know there's lots of dead rubber games and I was only talking to someone the other day about like how there there used to be two group stages um you, you probably remember that as well teach where it was like they had to play two groups phases before they got to the quarterfinals but uh thankfully they, they got rid of one of them anyway but um yeah <laughs> yeah so it's exciting uh soccer to watch and as we've mentioned before uh GA as well and just a quick mention to Irish rugby team who did well in the Six Nations. We didn't really um, kind of miss out on covering the end of that, but uh, they just they did everything they really could um, in the tournament and just came up short. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, Tour New Zealand goes well for them, and they're, they're building up towards uh, the World Cup and stuff. Um, cool. So we'll we'll uh, we'll finish off with our picks of the week this week, Teach. So uh, what are your uh, what are your picks for? Any good picks for me? Yeah, it's starting uh, watching Wheeler Dealers again. Um, if anyone doesn't know, it, it's um, Mike Brewer. He's a garage owner over in England. He a car salesman for years and years, and he buys classic cars and has mechanics um, doing them up and then selling them on, hopefully for a profit. Um, so it's on uh, Discovery, but it's also available on the internet as well. And really good show. Um, another one is I'm going to give a shout out to another podcast. Um, but it wasn't actually the podcast that I saw. It was an article from Hurler on the Ditch. And it was a really interesting one. It was on about the... Uh, where Kilkenny at at the moment now if anyone does know the Hurler on the Ditch podcast it's done by an anonymous hurling fan uh, from Tipperary and so to see such a really great article um, 
leaving rivalry aside was really interesting this morning. It was going down through the Kilkenny Cork match and it's available on Twitter, a link to the article or hurler on the ditch. Um, if you put that in um, on a Google search, we'll bring up the website as well. But it was just going down through Kilkenny have to stick to the process and um, where Kilkenny would have a tendency say from their pockets or that to go along with it or even say the defenders uh, say Hugh Lawler or whoever be in the back line Paddy Deegan, Killian Buckley or whoever playing the long ball in Kilkenny were actually getting better success by playing short possession game um, so you can kind of see in the past number of years where Kilkenny kind of came under pressure and they reverted back to the old style of long high ball into the forward line it was actually analysing so I won't drag on anymore because I'm going into but it's a really interesting article and it's it, not only folks in around Kilkenny but it was it the article was focusing on Kilkenny but it'd be interesting read because it's the way the game is developing. Um, so definitely check that out. Hurler on the ditch. Um, the article is on their Twitter page and also their website as well. So definitely check out that as well. Yeah, cool. Um, so for my picks, I went with... Uh... Alien Covenant. I'm not sure if you're a fan of the Alien movies, um, but there's... Um, I actually kind of missed this one. It was out in 2017. Are you there, Robbie? Just some new kind of Marvel stuff up on Disney, uh, Moon Knight, which uh, looks good. It's a, a series on Disney. Sorry, now. Robbie. No, not the biggest. Sorry, Robbie, the joys hey. of live. Sorry, Robbie, the joys of live podcasts. And we lost you there for a while. So if anyone's listening, this done edited right. version. So I don't want anyone to miss what you were saying there. So if you could go back to the start of the Alien Covenant again. Um, it's just, I think yeah, a bit just, may have uh, been missed. Cool, Nori. So yeah, just a big, big fan of the Alien series. Uh, so I started watching that the other night. So or uh, yeah, a bit of it last night. Yeah, so it seems pretty good. And what else was it going to go? Just uh, a new Disney series uh, or Marvel um, of uh, Moon Knight. Um, so that I think it's kind of got mixed reviews so far, but um, looks promising enough. Um, and then I've I've always been listening to a lot of music, as I've been mentioned before. Uh, so I was listening to some Nine Inch Nails, and um, their second album, uh, Downward Spiral, is is pretty good. Now it's fairly interesting because okay. they didn't really have a producer. Sorry. Hello. I oh, know. Hello. Can you hear me, Rob? Yeah, I can hear you. Did you get all that? Yeah. Pit? No. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I was so, just yeah. saying cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have a producer on the album. They just, your uh, Trent Reznor had like um, complete kind of control over creating the album. 
And then my last one is going to be a podcast, uh, the Tim Dillon Show. It's on uh, Spotify and Patreon and stuff like that. And um, yeah, he's, he's a real, I suppose he goes for the controversial sort of gags, if you know what I mean. Like, you wouldn't want to take anything he says uh, seriously, but um, he's a good laugh. And he'll make fun of, you know, lots of dark humor and lots of inappropriate jokes and stuff. But that's, a, that's the kind of stuff I like. So um, yeah, cool. So there's my uh, picks of the week. So yeah, so I think we'll we'll leave it there, Teach, and uh, good chats as always. Yeah, I know, brilliant. Um, one actually, uh, I forgot to mention. It's just paying tribute. Sorry, Robbie, to Taylor Hawkins, and um, not to drag on at then, but I would have mentioning um, the Foo Fighters a while ago in the top picks, and the videos available, and Taylor Hawkins along with David Gruel would have been the big one about bringing fans up on stage and to play the drums. And it was really sad news um, there with the debtor Taylor Hawkins and also um, a singer out of the weekend as well. I can't think of his name. Um, died as well. So two tragic deaths, deaths in the music industry um, from two terrific bands um and so yeah just pay tribute to them as well yeah cool um yeah i was a you know a bit of a food fighters fan i went to see the food fighters in 2019 pre-covid and stuff and they were they were brilliant and see taylor is a quite an integral part of the band and um yeah, it's sad. Uh, sad for Dave Grohl as well because he obviously lost um, Kurt Cobain and now uh, his his cousin as well. So it's you know he's had a, a bit of a bad run uh, amidst all the success as well. Um, yeah, so sorry. on that note, each. Uh, yes, sorry, again. Robbie, not to drag. One clarification: it wasn't the weekend. I had it in my head. The wanted it was Tom Parker. Out of the wanted, died of. Uh, a brain tumor um during the week sorry it wasn't the weekend it was the wanted um sorry um a terrific band as well so yeah. i'm very sorry oh, for that or i had it in my head but it coming up to the weekend i chose the wrong but it was actually tom parker the wanted died yeah. as well sorry yeah and um your respect to all the families and loved ones there and Hopefully they're 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 you know not too bad considering everything. Um, cool teach. So yeah, good chats and uh, happy days. So uh, chat to you again next week and thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, pleasure, bud. Talk soon, all and thanks a million for tuning in. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck.